0: Morning, everyone. Yeah, so it's uh, it's Mother's Day. It's a time to say, hey, you know, Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, moms. Um, it's a chance to recognize and celebrate you. Uh, for me, it's that. But also, um, I get to speak, so maybe a little bit of a chance for me to embarrass my mom. Um, so sharing some of that, which she gave me. Um, so yeah, uh, I just figured I'd tell you about my mom. My mom is uh, pretty cool. She had eight kids. Um, and I texted all my siblings last night and said, hey, you know, what are some things that stand out to you about mom? And, uh, I just got a few things that all, um, rose to the top about my mom and I just thought I'd share those. Uh, my mom is a very selfless person, um, very generous, nothing that she has that she wouldn't just give to one of her kids or to a friend or a neighbor in need. Um, she is a... Listener, I mean, like, and not just hearing her kids, like, listening is a real skill. And boy, my mom has developed it. Um, she is a prayer warrior, uh, loses sleep, you know, every night. She just prays, you know, for her kids um, all day and all evening. Uh, she knows her Bible very well. Um, I think my mom has been reading the Bible through every year for goodness, maybe like 45 years. That's probably a low estimate. Um, But yeah, she knows her Bible. Uh, She is patient. She is merciful. Uh, One sister said, cool. I would agree with that. Um, My contribution was, uh, mom is fit. Uh, You know, when you watch a movie, that's a time for me, it's like, I'm going to get comfortable. I'm going to sit on the couch and relax. Uh, You'll never see that with my mom. If, If she even goes so far as to watch a film, she's like, Stretching, you know on the floor or something or you know mom would embarrass us by going places and doing uh, back backbends or just cartwheels, you know still um, so <laughs> She is uh, she is fit, uh, but going back to that whole thing of listening uh, my mom would uh, She would take these walks um, You know and maybe not a big deal for an adult but when you're a little kid mom would take us on like these three-mile walks you know, almost daily sometimes, and she'd just hear us out, and we just process and, and talk to her, and it was on one of these walks, that I was like, I know my mom loves me, like, I know that's what moms are supposed to do, you know, moms love you, and they love you unconditionally, but, you know, some, some kids find ways to push that, or find out just how far does this love go, and so I was thinking about it, and it's like, I, we grew up in Wisconsin, all right, so my whole family, diehard Packers fans, I mean, People would be jumping so high in the living room when the Packers scored a touchdown that light bulbs would break, all right? So, Packers fans. And I'm just asking my mom, I'm thinking, Mom, I think I might want to be a Vikings fan. (laughs) And she just, she took it very cool and she's like, that's all right, honey, that's all right. And I was like, I know my mom loves me. (laughs) Um, Don't worry, I'm not a Vikings fan. Nor am I that much of a Packers fan either. It's just football in general. It's just I don't know. I never got into it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's Mother's Day today, so I want to share with you about Mother's Day. But um, this is a pretty unique message because it's also the end of our sermon on or our series on Kings. And so uh, <laughs> I'm looking at this like almost as a Venn diagram. Like all right, Mother's Day, Book of Kings. Mother's Day, like, what is in the middle here? I don't know what's going to, like, fit or, you know, what do we talk about with both Mother's Day and finishing the sermon series on the book of Kings, but that's what I'm hoping to do is bring that to you today. Before we get into that, um, I'd like to pray, and we'll, we'll open up God's Word. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for the chance that we get to open your Word and find out um, what you've put in here for us. But, God, I am a sinful man I'm standing up and talking about Your word, Lord, so I just pray it would be that and that only um, that is communicated. Lord, I pray that your truth and principles for your people then, um, we would find ways to see how you are using those to work in our lives now. Lord, I thank you that you are everlasting, that you are the same then and now, um, and that we'd be able to read your word and find out your will for us by doing so. So bless this time, um, and may we hear what you have to say Amen. Um, okay, so, Mother's Day, Book of Kings. All right, I figured I'd start by looking at like, who were all the moms uh, mentioned in the last four books that we've been going over, first and Second Samuel, first and Second Kings for this series. And I've noticed like, okay, here's the trends. Here are the mothers that get mentioned in all of these books, um, just about. Every king of Judah, you know, the the kingdom split Israel and Judah. Almost all the kings of Judah, just about every one, it it at least makes some mention of their mom. Some get a little bit more attention, like Jezebel or Athelia. So almost all the king's moms in Judah get mentioned. Um, We've got some other moms that stand out. We have some widows that were spoken about, that Elijah and Elisha served in some capacity. Also this Shunammite woman who was older, and wasn't a mom, but Elisha would stay with uh, her and her husband, and she was um, blessed by God with this child later in life. So that's another important mom. But if you go all the way back in this sermon series, you go to the very beginning of First and Second Samuel that kicked off this whole series that we've been studying. There is a mother that I want to focus on and draw some attention to, so I'm sorry, I should have told you to do this earlier. If you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, Uh, Sorry, chapter 2. Go to the beginning there. This is the mom that is at the beginning that kicked off this whole story. There is a mother uh, named Hannah. And when we meet her, she's not a mother yet. Um, She is married to a man who has another wife who does have kids. And that other wife, you know, yeah, really odd situation. That's not something that we condone or suggest or, you know, is biblically taught. But that's just Hannah's situation. That's where we find her, all right? Um, She's married to a man that has another wife who has kids. And that other wife holds it over Hannah, and Hannah is desperate. She goes to the Lord um, at the temple, and she prays, Lord, I want a son. Like, would you give me a son? You give me a son, and he will serve you all the days of his life. Hannah's request is heard. Like, God grants her that. She give, um, she's given a son, Samuel, uh, who this book is named after, and we find out that Hannah is going to dedicate him, and as soon as Samuel is weaned, she goes back up to the temple and says, all right, you know, here he is. I made this promise. Lord, you gave me a son. Now I'm giving him back to you as soon as I possibly can. So she goes to Eli, this priest who was at the temple. She gives him her son, that she <laughs> prayed for, and he's like, it's, he's yours, uh, here to serve the Lord. And after that moment, look at chapter 2, we get this prayer that Hannah prays. This is what I want to read to you all this morning. All right, chapter 2, verse 1, we're going through verse 10, so hang on with me. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger the barren has borne seven but she who has many children is forlorn the lord kills and brings to life he brings down to sheol and raises up the lord makes poor and makes rich he brings low and he exalts he raises up the poor from the dust and lifts the needy up from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Uh, So that's what I want to walk through with you guys. It's a long prayer. But remember, this is Hannah, who's just given her son up, and there are several themes in this prayer that I want you to pay attention to, or at least that I want to try to bring out and show you, like, hey, it's a lot of words, but, you know, here's the big ideas, and how does this fit to the sermon series we just went through, but also to you moms, all right? So here's the first point. If you're looking at the first two verses, just go back to those. Uh, Point number one, like, God is in charge. If we're talking about authority... Hannah knows where it's at. Um, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn, a horn is like a, a symbol of strength. Okay, so my strength is in the Lord, not herself, but the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies. Her enemies aren't in charge. The Lord's in charge. She's not in charge. The Lord's in charge. I rejoice in your salvation. The only one strong enough to save is God. Verse number two there's none like the Lord. Uh, for there is none besides you. There's no rock like our God. She knows where her foundation is at. So who's in charge? God's in charge. It's like in your face, the main theme of the beginning two verses, but it's also like a a sub-theme that's going to carry through the rest of the prayer. Just keep that in mind, like God's in charge, and we'll see how that applies to these other ideas that we're going to see pop up in Hannah's prayer. The, The next big chunk, like the middle of this prayer all has to do with this idea that God um, stands against pride or those that are proud and he raises up and exalts those that are humble. We're going to see this interplay in this back and forth between these two ideas through a lot of her prayer here between pride and humility. Now let's take a look at that uh, like verse three. Um, Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. So don't be proud. God is the standard. Don't boast. You know, we need to find um, our foundation, not in ourselves, but in God. So don't be proud, all right? You're not all that. God is all that. Uh, Verse 4. The mighty are defeated, but the weak receive strength. Uh, Verse 5. We find this interplay between, like, those that were full, they're now hungry. Those that are, were hungry, they're now full. We see this, uh, those that had no children, they now have seven, which is the symbol of, like, you know, perfection or completion, okay? So those that were barren have kids. Um, those that have kids are forlorn or, like, lonely, okay? Uh, verses 6 and 7 um, 6 stands out as kind of unique. It says the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. And it's it's just saying, like, just like he, you know, has authority over death, he also has authority to bring up, to raise up. Um, And this is how it gets applied to these next ideas. Like, he raises up the poor. He raises up the needy. He lifts them up from the ash heap and takes these very humble people and puts them in this great place, this this, uh, what's it say, this, pla- this seat of honor, um, and uh, makes them sit with princes, okay? So we got all these back and forths about how God stands against or opposes the proud and raises up and exalts the humble. Big theme. And it all has to do with, like, God is the one that does this. He is in charge. Remember, that's going to carry us through this whole prayer. God has authority. Let's finish it up. Um, the last main theme I'd say in this prayer is that God is in charge and he's going to direct and protect this nation that's just about to get started. If you remember, Israel's not a really unified nation at the beginning of 1 Samuel. That's going to get kick-started with King David, who Samuel will anoint. But that's, we already covered that, you know, weeks ago now. Just, just a reminder. So, um, the last verses, 9 and 10. Uh, He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. The wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. Here's where it really gets more specific about the kingdom. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed, the strength of his anointed. God is in charge. He opposes the humble and exalts the, pr- uh, he opposes the proud, sorry, and exalts the humble, and God is going to direct the steps of this kingdom that's about to get started. This is not some randomly placed prayer by the author here. I mean, like, God, the author, he put this prayer here as almost like this, uh, this is how we're going to look at this whole book. First and second Samuel was originally just, just one book for convenience reasons, it's, First and 2 Samuel, but as it was written, it's just one book, Samuel. And this prayer gives us a guide to look at these main characters we're going to see in 1 and 2 Samuel, which is King Saul and King David. And you get to see how these ideas in Hannah's prayer play out among these two characters. If you remember in Sunday school, we talked about this almost every Sunday. It's like, how does Saul stand up to these concepts? How does his pride get viewed by the author and by the, his actions? How does God respond to his pride as opposed to David's humility? Saul's a king for a short time, and then his line is cut off. His, his children and his descendants, none of them are going to take the throne. But David, who recognizes this man after God's own heart, certainly with these faults of his own, but something it, to his credit is that he is humble and repentant when he goes to God. So these are these ideas that are going to really help judge these main characters in 1 Samuel, these ideas that Hannah brings up, and I would argue are the same standard that all the rest of the kings in First and Second Kings are going to get compared to. These things that Hannah brings up, you know, how do they stand up? But I want to share with you, these are not principles just for kings. Did you notice the very last verse, one of the very last things Hannah says in this prayer? Look at it again, verse 10. Um, just like the, uh, the he will give strength, God will give strength to his king, he will exalt the horn or the strength of his anointed. That's this all this stuff applied to kings, but what's the very first thing she says? My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn, my strength is exalted in the Lord. Just as these things are important for these kings that we're going to read about, she was holding herself to these same ideas. These things were just as important for her, all right? And I want to just argue, or uh, I don't want to waste the chance to, t- to share with you uh, a connection here. I'm not making a teaching point out of it, but it would be a wasted opportunity to say, hey, um, to miss out on this. Turn to uh, Luke chapter 1, all the way... All the way in the New Testament, Luke chapter 1. I thought this was really cool, all right? And this is not to add a teaching point, but just to emphasize that these principles were important for Hannah, they're important for the kings, and they're important today. So, um, Luke chapter 1, I'm looking at verses 46 through 55. Uh, We have another interesting situation, all right? We have uh, Mary who is going to experience a supernatural uh, birth, just like Hannah did. And she's got a certain prayer that she prays before Jesus is born. So Jesus' mother, Mary, there's a song or a prayer of hers that's recorded, and remember those main themes in Hannah's prayer, because they just pop up and they just strike you when you read Mary's prayer after reading Hannah's. Let's look at this. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for as he has looked on me, uh, for as he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those that fear him from generation to generation. Catch this. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those who exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. All those main things that Hannah brings up in her prayer we're going to see Mary bring up. And just the connection here is really cool. Samuel, Hannah's son, is going to be the last judge, like official judge of Israel before the kings take over. He's going to be born quite supernaturally from a woman that couldn't have children. Fast forward all the way to Mary, she is going to give birth to the very last king and forever king of Israel. Uh, his birth, Jesus, is going to be supernatural. And Hannah and Mary are going to share these emphases in their prayers on almost the exact same things, in almost the exact same order. They're both uh, looking back at the significance of finding their salvation in God, that He is their Savior. They're both looking at um, how, how um, recognizing that God stands opposed to pride and lifting up those that are humble, both looking at God feeds the hungry and turns away um, those that are proud or or sometimes even those that are rich, and he protects his nation of Israel. Uh, Just as Mary mentioned, he spoke to our fathers, he has helped his servant Israel, and he remembers his mercy. So I didn't want to waste that opportunity to just give you that connection there between Hannah's prayer, Mary's prayer. And so that's what I want to try to bring to you moms today. What stands out from these prayers, and how is it important to us? All right, so for you moms, um, could be biological moms, stepmoms, those of you moms that are foster moms or adoptive moms, um, grandmoms, or maybe, as we saw in Hannah's case, even hopeful moms. Um, I want you to catch some of these things as they apply to motherhood. And don't forget everyone else. These things also applied to kings. They very well apply to you as well. But we're going to look at some specific application to, uh, to mothers. All right? Um, okay. So, number one point of those prayers is God is in charge. All right? Uh, with looking at that for moms, and this is, this is true to me too. I'm a parent. Um, but moms, with our children, we are not ultimately in charge. All right, God is in charge of, if, we have, if you have kids, how many, when they're born, um, if they're born, like God is in charge of these things, the length of their days, all things that I get the feeling, even though I'm not a mom myself, I'm a parent, and I get the feeling of wanting to have control and pushing for and finding every way to have as much as control of these things that I don't ultimately have control of, all right? learning to let go of that control over our children's lives in those areas that we just can't, that are for God alone, if we have kids, when we have them, how long they live, all right? There are so many areas that we just long for that control. Um, But definitely God has given us some authority in their lives, okay? Like, we are meant to be stewards of our children. Mothers, you are meant to steward the responsibility that you've been given of your, your kids whether that's for a really, really short time like Hannah had or a really long time, 18 years. uh, Lots of parents, you know, need to continue to take care of their kids for reasons uh, beyond their own helping well into adulthood. So for however long we have our kids, yes, we need to steward um, and have some responsibility over them. But when does that become too much? When do we step over that line of, like, trying to take too much control um, over our children's lives? And so mothers... um, I'm a dad. I have some idea of how this looks, but I wanted to share with you some of the insights of how these things apply to motherhood after getting to talk with my wife, uh, the mother of uh, my three children. And wow, like I had some ideas of how these things look, but her insight um, I really, really appreciated. So I wanted to share with you some of the application that I was looking at uh, when talking with her on when is... Too much control crossing the line, all right? When is our pride welling up, all right? And we want control as opposed to taking that step back and humbly accepting, holding our kids with open hands and saying, God, you're in control. So, from that discussion, um, pride finds their identity in their children, all right? The proudful parent or proudful mom is going to bind up her identity and who her kids are and how they pan out, versus um, humility finds its identity in Christ. Okay, so where do we find our identity as, as parents or as moms? Pride finds peace or happiness in meeting the standards that we set for ourselves as good parents, or that we think should be the standards of good parenting. All right, pride finds that standard and says, how am I comparing to that And my happiness or my joy and peace? Will compare to how I compare to my standard of parenting, as opposed to humility, which knows that God is the perfect parent and that He's going to cover my shortcomings and sin, because that is the reality. I cannot be the per- perfect parent. There is only one who sets that standard, just as Hannah prayed. You know, He is the standard. Um, and humility understands that, all right? That God is going to make up for my shortcomings because there are a share, (laughs) good share of them. Pride, uh, pride wants to find those perfect parenting methods, all right, to manage behaviors and achieve obedience. Versus humility, focusing on praying for our children's hearts. All the time we've always got to consider. What we're trying to achieve, are we trying to achieve external behaviors, these outside factors with our kids, or are we focusing on the source, all right? Is 90% of my attention focused to making sure my kids simply behave, or are we going after the heart issue, which is their heart, which is something we don't have control of, all right? It's like, I I know the limit of my control over my own heart. There's only one who could change that, and I had to pray for him to take it and change it, amen? But, like, that's the same thing we got to recognize with our kids, We can only do much to manage their behaviors, and that's fine, but wanting to pray for their hearts, like that's where it's at. That's where the source. Um, Finally, and and catch this this is a longer list, but (coughs) pride thinks if I can just get the right disciplinary strategies, find the right school, uh, hit all the developmental milestones with my children. Find the right extracurriculars, get the right organic food, and find the right non-processed snacks. Then my kids will turn out, all right? Uh, Pride finds significance and security in the number of parenting books you read or the hours of playtime spent with your kids. Whereas humility is the heart of a woman who knows she cannot save herself and cannot save her children, so she commits them to the only one who can, and who loves them more than she does, and she prays. We only have so much control, all right, and only that for a short amount of time in our kids' lives. It's like, is the primary focus, 90%, 100%, are we going to put all of our eggs in this basket of trying to, you know, skew and change behavior? where We're missing the heart, or we're missing the source of real change. What's the, Biggest thing we can do for their kids and model that we are in surrender to the God who's in control, or would our children look at us and testify that we want to be the primary one in control? This is something that I really would want to brag about my mom. You know, and it's not a given. I was just—I felt like I was lucky. I had a mom who recognized always that God was in control, and sure, I could point to things, plenty of things. Uh, especially the uh, organic snacks and organic food. You know, that were, my mom maybe missed on some of that, or the right school choice. But she knew that that wasn't what was going to make me or my other siblings pan out. She knew that we were surrendered into God's control, and I'm just so thankful for a mother that prayed. And so, moms, um, if I'm if I'm to send you with anything today, let's just let's make it simple. It's Mother's Day. I don't want to add a lot to your plate. Let's just get simple with this. Uh, in closing, like understanding that God's in charge, all right? And (laughs) don't worry about the mom guilt. Mom guilt is just like hurt pride. Mom guilt looks at all these other things that moms are doing, you know, can look at all the great things that moms are doing on like social media and gets defeated by that because maybe I'm not living up to that, all right? Whereas surrendering that control and knowing that we can, the best thing we can do is pray for our children's hearts, and model to our children that God is in control. Moms, that's, that's the biggest thing I want to send you with today, is to be praying moms, all right? And the memory verse, don't forget about the memory verse. I'm going to turn to it real quick. Uh, Proverbs 31, uh, verses 28 and 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. For everyone else, the memory verse is for you. Okay? That's what I want to send you guys with today, uh, to be encouraging mom, lifting up mom, call her blessed, uh, make that a reality too, <laughs> and you know, husbands, for you to just um, affirm your wives that they, uh, they have done excellently. Others have done excellently, but you know, they surpassed them all, okay? You guys have the best mom. I know I have the best mom. Um, but thank you for letting me read w- with you guys this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Uh, moms, I want to pray for you. Um, kids and husbands, I want to pray for you uh, and anyone else. pray for you as you uh, go out and bless your moms today. Um, Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would uh, give us, oh, the strength to surrender and, um, Lord, let you work into our lives. I pray that you would give us um, reminders of this, that when things aren't going our way with parenting our children, that we are not ultimately in control of them Lord we surrender them to you just as Hannah did we give them up to you um, and we pray for their hearts Lord that you would touch them um, that you would draw them to you and Lord whether it be soon or in the long run um, you would be changing and working in their hearts Uh, ultimately Lord we want them to serve you because you are a great God you are in charge and we love you Um, Lord we pray for uh, a blessed Mother's Day Um, and that lots of moms would get extra sleep today amen all right thank you guys amen